The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Well, good afternoon. Uh, I hope all things are going well with everybody. We're praying for people. We hear about certain needs, but if you have any needs, please call us and let us know how we can pray and how we can help you in any way. Uh, We're in Galatians. Today we're in Galatians uh, at the end of chapter 1. This book is all about the disappointment of the Apostle Paul because these churches in Galatia, there was a huge uh, response to Paul's preaching in Galatia. There were many churches that were planted, many elders that became uh, elders in, in churches. And then all of a sudden, they started turning away from the gospel that Paul had preached to them because another gospel was being preached and was being was being uh, p- kind of put on the market, and uh, many of them turned to this false gospel, which had really had to do with works salvation, salvation by keeping the law instead of salvation by faith in Christ. And so Paul's writing; he's very angry at first, but at this point in time, he is trying to convince them that the gospel he preached to them didn't come from him, and it didn't come from any other men. It came from Christ. Christ is the one who revealed this gospel to him. Uh, on the road to Damascus, if you remember, Paul went to Damascus to, to uh, arrest Christians, that is, Jewish people who were following Christ, and he thought that's what should be done. That was uh, very early on, uh, and this is where he met Christ for the first time. He's going to Damascus, He's on his way to arrest people and to bring them back to Jerusalem, have them put in jail because they're following Christ. They're believing on Christ. And he believed Christ was not the Messiah and that all those people who were following him were totally deceived. So he's on the road to Damascus, and all of a sudden he's confronted with the personal presence of Jesus Christ. And Christ stops him in his tracks, and he gives him a revelation of the true gospel. And this is what Paul had been preaching. And uh, this is true, really, of everybody who preaches the gospel. The only way a person can come to understand and believe the gospel is when God himself opens their eyes and shows them the truth about the gospel. For example, uh, Jesus revealed the gospel to Peter, the apostle Peter, in Matthew 16. He was about 120 miles from from Jerusalem up north in uh, Caesarea, a city up there that was named after one of the Caesars. And he comes up there, and Peter and the other apostles are there. And so Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am, the Son of Man is? And uh, they gave him some answers. They first said, well, some believe you're John the Baptist or this or, a, or Elijah or some other uh, prophet who has come back to life. And then, and then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him. Simon Peter answered, and he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The only way he could have come to know that was God revealed it to him. And, and then it says, it goes on in the text, this is Matthew 16, it goes on in the text, and it says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. Uh, Peter then takes Jesus aside, it says, and he rebukes him. He says, that's not going to happen to you. We're not going to let that happen. 
And then Jesus turns to Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. Now, he had just said that it was the Father who had revealed this truth of who he was to him. But now he says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind on God's not on God's interest, but on man's interest. Uh, in other words, he saw that what he was trying to do was to turn Jesus away from the will of God because it was God's will. He had come into the world to suffer on the cross, and so he saw this as a part of God's plan and purpose. Now, uh, we're told something really interesting in, in 2 Corinthians. Uh, let me find this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. This is talking about the creation account that he says this, that light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts, that is those who have come to see the gospel, he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, quite literally in clay pots is what this word means. We have this treasure, that is the treasure of the gospel in clay pots. All he's saying is that we're very weak. We know we're not supermen. We're just very weak, and we're carrying this treasure around and sharing it with people. And all we are is earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness, he says, this is why God did this, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. In other words, so there would be no super preachers. There would just be God, who is the one and only God, and those whom he has given this treasure to share it with others. And he goes on, he says, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, were struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body of, in our body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. And as you know, that's how Paul died, finally in prison, because he was put to death because he was a preacher, a, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he goes, for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. They were constantly threatening him with death. And finally, they did take his life. Nero took his life. And then it tells us in Ephesians 3, 5, uh, that which in other generation was not known to the sons of men is what we now are proclaiming as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. And to be specific, in other words, this is what is new. It is that Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. In other words, it was totally unknown to the Jewish people who rejected Christ that he was going to turn to Gentiles and bring them into his movement. They're going to be members of the church of Jesus Christ simply because they believe what the gospel that Christ has has fulfilled. And in verse 7, it says, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. Now, the apostle Paul would probably be the last person you would expect that would become the apostle who was sent to the Gentiles, but that's exactly what happened, that God sent him to the Gentiles to take the gospel so that they would hear the truth of the gospel. And he reveals the gospel to Paul. So Paul wants them to understand that what has happened is, is that he has preached to them a gospel that he did not receive from men, but he received from God. 
And it wasn't, this gospel was not deficient. It was the, the very gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, gospel just means good news, and it's the good news about what Christ has done in order to bring us salvation and wholeness. And so this is what Paul had preached to them, but now they're listening to naysayers who are telling them that's not the true gospel. And Paul got that from men. He didn't get that from God. And and so Paul is telling them here that, no, he got them from God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave him this gospel. It was revealed to him. And this is what... uh, he wants them to know and understand that the gospel you heard from me was came straight from the lips of Jesus Christ. And in fact, in Acts chapter 9, it gives you the incident. It tells you about the, the situation that happened when, when Paul is going to uh, Damascus to, to arrest Christians, to take them into prison. And Jesus meets him on the, war, on the road, and Paul is stricken blind. He can't even see. And Jesus speaks to him. The first thing that... that uh, Jesus says to Paul as Saul, Saul, which was his, his original name, he says, why are you persecuting me? And then Paul says, who are you, Lord? <laughs> he obviously knew he was Lord because he had never been stricken down by a great, a great light. And here he is on the ground, and, and Jesus is telling him, why are you persecuting me? And he says, I don't know who you are. Who are you? And he says, I am Jesus. And so he, he began to understand that this person that he'd been persecuting is the very Son of God who has come into the world to save sinners like him. And so this is exactly what, what opened his eyes for the first time. He saw that for the first time that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, the word Christ is, is the word Messiah out of the Old Testament, the anointed one. He was prophesied from the earliest pages of the Bible, we are told that he was going to come. For example, in Isaiah 53, 750 years before he came, we are told there specifically how he's going to come and what he's going to do and how he's going to die on the cross and then be resurrected. And so uh, Paul embraces the gospel, and this is the gospel that he had preached to these Galatians, and now they have turned away from it, and it makes him, it, it really irritates him, it really he sees it as a, such a dangerous thing. They are really playing with fire. And so he wants to tell them, no, this gospel was not given to me by a man. It was given to me through Jesus Christ. The gospel requires a radical reorientation on how the law is seen and applied in, the, in this dispensation. And this was really the issue. They were being told by Judaizers, that is, people from a, a Jewish background who said, you can't be saved unless you start practicing the law. You have to do the law. You have to obey the commandments of God in the law. And uh, and Paul's gospel was like this. It's given to us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, because we are his workmanship. We don't work we don't do work in order to be saved. We are God's workmanship. He does a work on us, and he says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works come in after we're saved, and it's our response of faith to the gospel that God has given us, that there is salvation in Christ alone. So the gospel takes a, a radical reorientation on how the law is seen and applied in this time. Now that that the law has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus, Jesus is drawing us to himself, not to the law. 
and not to for us to obey the law, but for us to live out our lives in, in absolute uh, confidence in, in God for what he's done for us in Christ Jesus. Um, this radical reorientation that has to take place is how the law is, comes to be seen. We see it as, as the heart of God being expressed, but not the way that we get salvation. It's the way that we can respond to our salvation by obeying God for his pleasure and for the way that he has treated us. Uh, no one has made a better uh, expression of this whole thing, this whole issue, than William Perkins, who was a Puritan, and he ministered the gospel, and uh, he came to learn that Christ had to be learned just as Paul learned him. Paul was exposed to the person of Christ, and it completely changed his life. He had a complete reorientation of the way that what was true about the world and what was true about his own life. I remember J.I. Packer, who wrote a book called Knowing God. I used that book as a textbook for many years, and I remember hearing him being interviewed, and he was asked why he chose that title, Knowing God. And he said, because I didn't want people to think this book was about how to know about God. I want him to understand this was about knowing God. And what he means by that is we enter into a personal relationship with God. In fact, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, one of the most important things he did was to tell them how to address God. And the way they were to address God is our Father, because this is the new relationship we have with him through Jesus Christ. He is our Father. And so he said, pray in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and so forth. And that all flows out of this new relationship that we have with him. He is our father. I was telling some people about going and seeing the very last time that Bob Cousy, the basketball player, played a basketball game. They came through uh, all the way out to California. It was his last tour. He was going to retire. And so I went to this game and saw him play. He was amazing. Bob Cousy was not a modern player. He was a, he played the old style. He was all set shots and he didn't jump real high and things, but he was amazing. But I, and I knew all about him because I had seen him before on uh, broadcasts and I had read about him, but I didn't know him. I only knew about him. I knew who he was. And so I didn't run up to him and say, Hey, Bob, it's good to see you because I didn't know him. I didn't have a relationship with him. But what Christ has done for us is he has provided a way that we can enter into a relationship with God. We come to know him, and we come to live our lives in fellowship with him. That's what salvation is all about. In fact, we are told in 1 John that God gave his son eternal life so his son could give to us, everyone who believes on Christ, that same eternal life. And then he tells Jesus tells us in John 17 that the purpose of eternal life is so that because in order for us to know God and Jesus Christ, his only son. In other words, he gives us the capacity to know him. We come to actually know him as a person. And this is why Paul is so uh, worked up over this issue. He wants these Galatian believers to hang on to the true gospel so that they could come to experience the reality of salvation in Christ in our relationship with the Father. That's what he's called us to. Uh, there's an there's a expression, there's a little description in a book by uh, William Perkins uh, that I mentioned a while ago, a Puritan. 
and he was talking about in the Anglican Church, they have these daily uh, offices, which is a morning prayer and an evening prayer that all of the, the, pre- the priests in the Anglican Church would have to partake of. And so in the mornings, they would say their matins, it was called. And what that was, there was their morning prayer. And then in the evening, there was called uh, a, a even song. They would actually sometimes sing these expressions. But this is what he says. He says, the daily offices may be led either by clergy or by lay people. Now, clergy and lay people is not a biblical concept, but it's something that most people understand, that clergy are special people that God has chosen. They're set apart from anybody else. They're better than everybody else. And then there's lay people who are just the normal people. And this is what he said. He says the daily offices could be led either by clergy or lay people when they hardly knew what they were talking about. In other words, what he's getting at is in order to preach Christ, you have to come to know him. You have to come to experience him. And this is what Paul did. Paul said, I met him on the road to Damascus, and I came to know him. And I have a relationship with him. And that's why I'm preaching this gospel, is because I love this gospel, and I want you to know it and understand it and experience the blessings of it. And so that's why he's writing this book. He wants to correct their view and understanding of the true gospel. The true gospel is just what I quoted to you from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast, because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And all that means is God has worked in our lives and created us in such a way, recreated us in the new birth in such a way that we can live our lives for his glory. And he delights in it. He takes pleasure in it. And so this is why Paul wants them to understand the true gospel. And that's why we need to understand this true gospel that's found in the book of Galatians, a gospel that is not of works. It's not keeping the law. It is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he credits his glory, his righteousness to us. It's it's like 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, The Father made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And what he means by that, this is sometimes called the great exchange, that Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. And so the Father, when the Father looks at us, he sees us as being as righteous as his Son, and that was given to us as a gift. We didn't earn it. We didn't work for it. We received it as a gift. And he wants us to know that that's how the whole Christian life works. All that we receive from God is going to be by faith in his, his glorious character. And so I pray that this, this, this truth will really sink into your heart, that you would see that life, living for Christ, is all about having a growing trust in him, knowing him, and resting our faith completely in him, and knowing that the triune God that we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are completely and totally trustworthy. We can put all of our trust in them and know that the salvation we received and the blessings that we have looking forward to and the day when we are brought back into the presence, the physical presence of Jesus Christ, and we see him for who he is, and we have glory, we have joy unspeakable and full of glory, is the way that Peter puts it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 that we will experience joy unspeakable, that you can't even describe it, and full of glory. 
God wants to bless us, not for us to earn something from him, but for us to receive something from him because of his great love for us. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus Christ came into the world. And that's why the gospel is centered on the work of Christ. And it's not centered on what you can do. It's centered on what he can do for you and how you can receive the blessings of God. And so he wants you not to forget that. Even when you're going through difficult times like we're going through now, he wants you to know that you are a product of God's grace, a product of his grace, that he wants to bless you, and he has blessed you, and he will continue to bless you. And so as we have opportunity, he gives us the opportunity to share this good news with others so they too can come to receive by faith this glorious salvation that Christ has has produced for us, and we thank him for that. Let me give thanks for for this. Our Father, we thank you so much for the the glory of Christ and what he has done for us and the way that he he lived. He came into this world and he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We pray, Father, that you'd give us a heart to receive and a heart to, to believe and rejoice in, and also a heart to share this truth with others. We pray that we would see many people come to rest their faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ because of this great gospel you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.